Oh. Oh, well, if that didn't cue you, if that gets in the audio, I'm going to be really excited. Um, I'm wearing a wig. We're in 1970s Venice Beach, California. We're in Dogtown. We're skateboarding. Max is throwing up Shaka Bras. Uh, We're doing one of my favorite movies of all time that probably none of you have seen. I really anticipate three people listening to this one. This one's for us. We're doing Lords of Dogtown. So Lords of Dogtown came out in 2005. To be honest, I didn't look up the budget. I didn't look up the box office. Uh, I don't know if Mason... 20, 25 million. Budget or box office? But Budget. I don't know about box office, but... Can you have the box... Can, can we get... Can you get on it quick? No. Okay. Well, yeah. gonna, <laughs> this no, is I, your I, show, I dude. <laughs> okay. we'll look up, I'm just going to look it up. Max, riff on something quick while I look up the box office. How on earth did they spend $25 million on this movie? <laughs> like it made, 13, it made $13 million against a $25 million budget. Um, okay. A, I watched the making of documentary last night. Uh, couldn't fall asleep. Watched the making of Lords of Dogtown. You can find it on YouTube. 30 minutes. Really sweet. All the original guys are there. Um, so if you don't know, I'm assuming you haven't seen it. Lords of Dogtown is based on a true story of the Dogtown Z-Boy skaters and the Zephyr skate team from 1970s. Grew up along Venice Beach and basically brought surfing styles to skateboarding. Uh, it was mainly focused on Stacy Peralta, Jay Adams, and Tony Alba. Uh, Stacy Peralta ended up forming his own skate company, which ended up finding Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk was the original member of Stacy Peralta's skate team. Really cool. If you're into any of that culture, it was very punk rock, very SoCal. Um, probably the main reason we're doing this movie is Heath Ledger has a really cool, interesting part, which doesn't really make sense. And like Heath Ledger was a mega A lister at this point. And he has like a really supporting role in a $25 million budget that lost uh, money on the box office. So um, I had originally told Max to watch this movie probably, I don't know, a month or two ago. So Max, why did you love this movie when I told you to watch it? Uh, yeah, that night that I was asking you, yeah, this was back in July. Um, I was looking for a movie that I didn't necessarily need to pay attention to much and that would kind of just entertain me because I was planning on just doing, I don't know, some shit on the side or whatever. And you suggested this one and it sucked me in from the beginning. I wasn't much of a skater. I had a phase back in the day, uh, but I was bad. Like it required a lot of like eye foot coordination that I didn't have. Um, But there was just something really dreamy about the whole thing and something just really, I don't know. Like I found myself trying not to pay attention in the beginning and then just getting sucked in. I think part of that is Heath's performance. um, But I also think part of it is just like, from the beginning, the lighting and the contrast, and I, I don't even know really exactly what it was, but it just, it just reminded me of being young and wild. And like the favorite quote of mine from it is from the whole movie is when he says, we're going to be on summer vacation for the next 20 years. Um, I think that's a really cool framework of the movie of just like kids being kids and then getting, you know, torn to shreds by, self-interest and disease and feuds and all that stuff girls yeah right so just a lot of stuff mason had you ever seen this before no this is my first time i was trying to withhold that for as long as possible but yeah ruin tell me about it how you feeling yeah 
No, it was it was really good. I mean, uh, within the last year, I have uh, bought a skateboard, got really into it started with watching Tony Hawk videos on YouTube. And I was just like, dude, he's so sick. And then learning more about the the kind of history of skateboarding, all that kind of stuff is really cool. And uh, Tony Hawk in almost every interview, he mentions those three guys all the time. Usually I'm prompted to about how pivotal they were to move skating forward and how how not cool skating was for that period of time. It was probably one of the lamest things you could have done. It was not cool by any means. And those guys were huge in growing the sport. So the movie itself, I felt like it really portrayed that. Their stories are so interesting. They do such a good job of building it around the characters and how unique they are despite coming from the same area, being friends, all that kind of, all those kinds of things. So yeah, I enjoyed it. It was, it was definitely, it definitely captured the seventies with the music and it was very, uh, yeah, grungy, disorganized as far as the lifestyle they lived. And yeah, it made you, it made you truly feel that way. It was super, it was really underground. It didn't make a lot of money. Um, this came out in 2005. We were 10 years old. I saw everything back then. Uh, I The one thing I'll say, though, is I feel like the trailer was everywhere. Like, I knew I knew of it. It was a big deal. I feel like it was very targeted uh, to our age at the time and right in that age range. So, I don't know. I, I was very aware of it. But, yeah, it's kind of shocking to hear it didn't make uh, make that much money. I don't know. It was one of the things I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it. On, I used to watch everything on cable. I was like a whore for cable television. And I would go through and I would just like click through movies and like click through. We had direct TV. Um, and I remember I was 10 years old. I, I was like, saw this thing and I saw Heath Ledger in the description when I clicked the info. And I was like, I had the Heath Ledger stock coming out of my ears. I was like, I got to watch it if he's in it. And I sat down and watched it. And literally the next day I bugged Gil, my dad. I bugged him all day. He drove me to Walmart and he got me a skateboard. Like the day after I saw it, <laughs> I need the skateboard. And I was like, I love the soundtrack. I loved all the things in the seventies, like Suffragette City and David Bowie. I was like obsessed with that song. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that David Bowie song. And I was listening to it all in the Voodoo Child, Jimi Hendrix intro. Yeah, to start it off. That's pretty hardcore to, to start it off that way. Yeah, and I just, I fell in love with everything about kind of that punk rock angst. I was from South Dakota and like Max was saying, like we were not that. We went to a Catholic high school. Um, I about just graduated law. Like we were not punk rock. We were not these guys. Um, but there's something about it that I just fell in love with and I've always loved. And every time I watch it, like last night I cried twice just because of Heath Ledger. But there's something about this movie that's like really beautiful to me in a weird way when they're in the dog bowl at the end mm-hmm. and they have to sit in the pool and um, Wish You Were Here is playing, but it's not the Pink Floyd version. I don't know who is doing the cover, um, but that's playing. And I, I just think there's something really beautiful and artistic about this movie. Yeah, I'll say, especially with the ending, it brings them all together, even though they've gone their separate ways. And knowing that Stacy Peralta it wrote this whole thing is the probably one of the most interesting things of how he, 
wrote a lot of the scenes that were involved and you wonder like what's real what's not but the the ending is a nice touch to how they how they all came together despite going separate ways and they're all brought together by skating and being kind of young and reckless and all those things max who's your favorite character of the three and then mason i'll throw it to you I think I know, before I say this, I feel like I know who each of us are as characters, <laughs> but I'm going to let you guys say. So say who okay. your favorite is and say who you think you are. I guess oh, I'm cur- okay. I'm curious. And I, I may say, I may have an idea for you, but we'll see. Yeah. Shoot. Uh, wow, I was not ready for that one. I, is it weird to say Stacy? I don't know. He's your favorite is, character? Yeah, that'd be, he'd be my favorite. Okay. Expand. You can say who you. It's who you like, man. It's not who me, Mason and I like. We're not you, man. You're Max. Yeah, Boy. right. Thank you for you giving me my, my voice. Um, I don't know. I, I think I like each of the kids just like for their own independent reasons. Like they each stand for something and stick to it, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, part of me wants to hate each of them in their own way because it's like, damn it, man. Like you see this potential, you see this stuff that they could be doing, you see all these like really cool opportunities. And then like you have one of them who's trying to do like the, the right thing, right? Like quote unquote, right thing, you know, where it's like, we don't need the deals. We don't need the money, man. We just came here to skate. And then other times it's like, no man, I'm trying to create my brand. Like, so I don't know. I, I like, I think, I, I think that I identify with maybe each of them in, in different ways, but part of it too is like, shit, these kids are like, what? 12, 13, they're teenagers, you know? Yeah. I mean, they're not, they're, they're like thinking back to what I was doing then. Like, I don't know. Like, I just think that that's, uh, that's like a really cool part of this movie. And like Mason said, like, I think that this particular film was targeted to our age group, even though this was the first time that Mason and I both had seen this movie. Um, I also remember like hearing about it maybe. And I, I don't know if I remember hearing about it as it was coming out more, maybe after Heath Ledger died hearing about this being like, you know, Hey, if you really appreciate Heath Ledger, like you got to watch this movie, the Maggie May scene. We'll talk about that probably later, but sorry, back to the original question on why you like Stacey Peralta. Cause you thought it was a weenie pick and never defended it. I did kind of. And I think I stand by that. <laughs> <laughs> so you just like Stacey because you are Stacey. So that's sweet. Okay. Down to cool. The I, I will say, I want to expand on what Max is saying. Cause it's almost, it's almost a, goldilocks and the three bears it's like one's you know you love jay's loyalty but you also hate that he doesn't just take ten thousand dollars easy you love stacy's level-headedness but you hate that you know he's kind of a sellout you love the uh, competitiveness of tony but you also hate that he's kind of a dick he's an asshole so it's it's you love them all for one reason, but you hate them for another. So you pull back and forth and I probably go with Stacy too. Honestly, I feel he's the most level headed. He's kind of, he kind of gets betrayed in the beginning and he's going back and forth. He's trying his best to stay loyal to skip, but he skip can't do anything to hold on to these guys. So I'd probably go with Stacy, but yeah, I think they all have a quality that you really love. And it pulls you in and then they have a quality you're like, dude, come on. Like, you know, what it, it, they have to make the decision for themselves, which I think they do. So who do you think you are? Uh, probably, 
probably Stacy. And you, I think my pick for you, I think you're, I think you're Jay because you desperately don't want to be a sellout. You will do anything to not for sell sure. out. Yeah. <laughs> Even I, though, I don't know, man. I think sometimes maybe. I, th- I think in his mind, he's like, oh, dude, I'm not a sell. I'm not a fucking yeah. sellout. <laughs> he's wearing a blank shirt right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so I think that Max is for sure Stacy because Weenie Hut General. I think Max, Thank you. like Mr. Play by the Rules, he would be the dude that's like that. I thought Mason was Tony Alva, like really competitive, but also like enough of a dick when he's being competitive about it. Like I got two right, right. vibes. Yeah, I, I can see that. That's fair. That's totally And then I fair. wanted to be Jay Adams because Jay Adams is my favorite character by the most. <laughs> um, I've always loved that kind of whatever people are thinking, like I'm going to zag, like I want to choose the opposite. And that's exactly what's so punk about him and what's so sweet about Jay Adams' character is he just will do anything but sell out. And in real life, I mean, it's sad, but he ended up like he could not handle the idea of like selling out and he chose addiction and was in and out of jail and actually had a lot of, he recently passed away, but um, he was like, they always say at the end, they say like, he's the spark that ignited the sport. Yeah. It's really interesting to see. There's a documentary called Dogtown and the Z boys, which came out a couple of years before and won a bunch of awards um, that Sean Penn narrates. And basically everyone in that documentary, Stacey Peralta, Tony Alva, all the Z-Boys are like, Jay Adams was by far the best skater. He was the one that was doing the craziest shit. He was pushing the limits. And the movie, I think they do a really good job of capturing, like, he's going to do anything. He's just so in the moment. And to Mason and Max's points, I guess, he's so in the moment that it's so bad because he doesn't have the power to, like, ever step back from a situation like he's just literally living each day like it is he takes skips advice of live each day like your last and he takes it to the most extreme and that's the tragedy of him but that's also the thing that you look at and you're like i wish that i tackled every day like that mm-hmm. um so i really i've always idolized that jay adams i know i'm not jay adams to mason's point like i get that i'm not that angsty or that like punk but I've always really idolized people like that, that are like, I'd rather do nothing than sell out. So that's like such an admirable quality of it, but it's also so frustrating too. Like, and I think that that's like, like the tragedy. I, I, I love that word where it's like the tragedy of this whole movie is like each of them probably would have been fine if they pursued their own route. But part of it was like the brotherhood, like that, them needing to be like one cohesive unit. And the fact that they were all pulling in separate directions is what, you know, eventually tore them apart you know, until they came back together. But I, I think that that's like the, the underlying tragedy of this whole film is, is being on the same team, needing to go in the same direction, but pulling in different directions, leading to kind of the demise of everything. Yeah. Because you're, you're rooting for them from the beginning, even when they're trying to catch a wave, they're getting treated like shit out, on, yeah. uh, out, out trying to catch a wave and they're sticking in it together. They're doing it's kind of beautiful in a way where they're all doing their own part so they can get out there and be out there together. And then, so the whole time you're rooting for them to stick to do their own thing, but stick together, you kind of catch it at the end, but you know that ultimately there's, there's just no way they can, they can truly do that. I think no one would watch this movie and think my comp of this movie is it reminds me a lot of Goodfellas and the Wolf of Wall Street. 
Mm. And um, I think that there's this underlying theme in all three of these movies where it's innocence corrupted, where you have these innocents that are doing something really pure, like where they get sucked into a world. So, I mean, in Goodfellas, Henry Hill is sucked into the mob. In The Wolf of Wall Street, you have like sucked into Wall Street. In this, it's kind of like, hey, we discover skateboarding and it's really pure to us. And then at some point it becomes corrupted. And now in Lords of Dogtown, you have corporations and now they're inner fighting of competitiveness, which happens. I mean, if you're competitive athletes, there's going to be a lot of infighting. But all of a sudden, all these outside influences come in and it kind of rips apart their life, which is in Goodfellas, you know, drugs end up ruining Henry Hill's life and you kind of see behind the facade of Goodfellas and then in The Wolf of Wall Street, obviously like addiction times a billion. But um, I weirdly think that this movie has like a universal theme of innocence just being taken away where these guys aren't allowed to be kids because suddenly they have something that everyone wants and there's the photographer that's taking pictures of them. Now they're in magazines and Skip's moving a lot of Zephyr skateboards. Now there's stakes to them going to the skateboard competitions and Tony Alva has to one-up Stacy, and he's snapping trophies and everything went from being fun, what can we do, to being I need to do this for, you know, your fucked up reason. Yeah, I don't I think that's a good, that, no, that, that's a really good way to put it. I think both of you kind of mentioned it, just money gets involved and more people get involved compared to when they were just doing it for fun. And I think that's Jay's whole mantra is, Hey, we, we're going to do this shit either way. We're going to uh, mm-hmm. skate and surf no matter what. So why do you care if there's money involved? And, and you would think Jay coming from the circumstances he does would be the opposite but he really holds true to how he feels about the quote-unquote purity of of the sport or of the activity max if no one's seen this heath ledger performance explain to them why they should see this heath ledger performance uh i also first want to say a very nice sprinkle of some potential foreshadow of some films we might be talking about in the near future with your with uh, your comparisons, clap, clap for you. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're all about synergy here. There's gonna be like 16 cruel tunes topics coming up, but you're good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think that something you said in the beginning hits it really well. We're like 2005, Heath Ledger debatably like is at close to, or some would argue maybe at the peak and is riding out this apex performance of being at the top of his game and then he takes this role which is a very minor role but you can't talk to anybody about this movie and not have them mention his performance where anytime he's on the screen he's taking it oh he's just taking it and running it and 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 like in a way it's like sad because the character that he's playing is 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 tragically flawed you know someone who's dealing with all kinds of different issues and, and, and abuses and so i think that that's like probably the grittiest I've seen Heath Ledger so far. I mean, it was, again, like not a lot of screen time maybe. So some maybe would argue that there are different scenes or movies or whatever, but just dirty and just raw and just, I mean, I I think that there's some power to that where it's, you know, you're not even necessarily seeing him as Heath Ledger, which I think maybe is in and of itself a testament to his performance where 
you truly are seeing him as skip and and feeling bad for him and then you know he kind of has these up and ups and downs and you think he's got it figured out and then you know he fucks up and is on the roof um and then you know again uh, maybe i'm blowing my load a little early but that maggie may that maggie may scene uh, at the end of the movie, just, I mean, if you don't, I'm sure that's one of the reasons you cried. Is that one of the scenes you cried in Chris? Yeah, I got you. Um, so yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I, I think that it's very hard to separate this movie's cult following now from the nostalgia of Heath Ledger, of course, but also like in the moment, recognizing that it is a surreal performance of an actor who is at the apex of his career or again, on his way up. And taking this side role is something that not a lot, not a lot of actors would do. And, and he did. And I mean, yeah, killed it. Mason thoughts on Heath Ledger. Yeah. I'm kind of embarrassed how long it took me to figure out who the character was. But again, that, that speaks to how good he is. I, I really didn't recognize him. It took me a second, but the, I think the most impressive thing is this is one of the more hyperbolic, very, very detailed characters that you don't see a lot. Like they had a very specific vision in mind for who this person was, because it's one thing to do an accent or speak in a certain way. You kind of see how his, his chin and his, like he's speaking in a certain way and the way he moves his mouth from that to the mannerisms he's playing a very specific character of a person and that's why uh, Stacy Peralta picked Heath Ledger for the role uh because it's one thing to you know obviously the Joker is is his most insane role it really speaks to who he is as an actor but I think this is kind of a a telling a, a telling role where it's like hey, this guy is nailing it because I don't know how Skip acted, but I guarantee if I watched an interview of Skip or uh, saw him in the 70s, I think it would be spot on because the details are so so minute. They're, they're specific from the hair flips to the, to the way he speaks and kind of how he grabs the guys. And uh, it's so, it's so detailed. That's, was the most impressive thing to me throughout the whole movie. And like you said, as he, in those smaller roles, he really, or sorry, in those smaller scenes where he's not the main, main character, he's really grabbing hold of the audience and taking control, which is probably one of the most impressive things I've seen. It's crazy. Cause he's like 23. <laughs> yeah. That makes, that makes it even That's more nuts. impressive. Yeah. He's like 23 or 24. Um, I watched this movie and like him being in the dark night makes all the world of sense because it's like, he is, he is skip. Yeah. He just completely in, he is that character and he's doing everything to be that character. He's wearing the fake teeth to your point. Like there's the scene where they're showing him the uh, new skate wheels for the first time, the poly earth thing, poly what man. And the way he's laughing and like, you're just like, oh my God, like that's, he's like, if you've seen a Knight's Tale and then you're like four years later, he's doing this, like what the hell is going on? And let me just list you Heath Ledger's 2005 to just show you the fucking range that this guy had. So in 2005, Heath Ledger made four movies, which is insane. 
but he did Lords of Dogtown. He did The Brothers Groom with Matt Damon, which I highly recommend to anyone who's never seen it. It's horrible, but in the best possible way ever. Um, Brokeback Mountain, some would argue like his, it's super understated and it's one of his best acting performances. And then Casanova, which is this really weird, quirky, awesome, amazing, beautiful thing that I highly recommend everyone watch as well. But all four of those projects are east, west, north, south. They couldn't be farther away from each other in terms of what's required. But I think that's the beauty of someone like Heath Ledger was is Heath Ledger is Jay Adams. Like Heath Ledger is not interested in what you think he should be doing. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, you think I'm like an A-list actor and that this role's beneath me? Sweet. I think it's interesting I'm there. And he gives himself fully to it just to be like, see what a guy like me can do with a part that you think is nothing. And um, yeah, there's just a couple of scenes in this movie where I just can't, I can't really handle it. And it bums me out that, you know, we lost him at 27 and this is like the second or third Heath Ledger movie we've done. I think it's our third. We did 10 things I hate about you and we did a night's tale. So obviously I have a ton of Heath Ledger stock, but um, I just absolutely love the performance. What does that pitch look like, Chris? Stacey Peralta comes to Heath Ledger and says, I want you in this movie. Like, wh- wh- what is, what is, what's the reason he says yes? Like, like, why does he sign off on that? I think he's just so into, I'm sure he read this. I bet, A, he'd seen the documentary. He was super into that kind of stuff and he wanted to be a director someday. I'm sure he saw the documentary and was like, oh my God, I can really sink my teeth into this. And, you know, someone like him, it's literally just like, hey, I get to do an accent. I get to try to be this guy. And I'm sure he's like, this is the most interesting character. I think Skip's the most interesting character in the movie besides Jay Adams. Like, I think Skip, like, when he's on the screen, like, what he's going through of, like, he's the father to this team. He's the father. Like, he grabs Tony Alva at the skate competition. Like, you had to step up here. He's the father figure, and he's the rock that this entire movie's built on. And if you don't have a solid foundation of his performance, then none of the other guys have anything to work off of. Yeah, they, they easily could have dove way further into him and his struggles and his arc. He's there the whole time, but, you know, the focus is on the guys. But, I mean, I, I'm sure you could do a whole movie on Skip and hit the life he lived because he was – not only was he running a skate shop, he was also a surfer skater. He was he was making boards. He was, uh, you know, throughout the movie he's filming. He's trying to get people on film. He's doing – deals with photographers and all this kind of stuff so he's really an entrepreneurial kind of person but he's flawed in so many ways as we mentioned and he's dealing with so many different things and they could have they could have done more but they also could have flown under the radar with him and i think that's why heath ledger was so important if i was doing like mount rushmore of heath ledger scenes like just like scenes he's ever been in the maggie may waxing the skateboard scene at the end of the movie when the guy that he kicked out of his store at the beginning of the movie is now running the store which i thought it was really funny that they used the same actor and this is the first time i ever realized it actually watching it but um that scene where it's just like the perfect summation of how you'd feel after you were so close to like doing this you were trying to have everyone make it and they all made it without you um and just him waxing it and he's got the cigarette and Maggie May comes on and he kind of just like exasperated, takes a pull of his bottle. And um, I just think it's like the perfect conclusion to his character. And it's like, yeah, they, my Mount Rushmore has 
him in the dark night, the first scene you see him with the bust and he's like, he takes off his mask and he goes, whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. Like that's on my Mount Rushmore. And um, obviously I love a Knight's Tale and when he yells William and fucks up the other guy in the Knight's Tale, that's on mine. And the 10 things I hate about you, you're just too good to be true scene. Um, those are my four Heath Ledger Mount Rushmore's for anybody that cares about it. Um, but just there's something that's so different about that scene with him and the surfboard singing where it's just like you feel you feel what he feels and i think that's really hard to do sometimes yeah the i think i think he just kind of shows he's he's a bit frustrated but he's also just doing his job he just goes right back into it tells him it'll be ready by by saturday and uh finishes up the job it's uh it's kind of I don't even know the right word for it, but it's kind of, it's almost bittersweet. Like he knows, he knows where he stands. And I think he's like disappointed in a way, like you can tell, like I, in a moment, like when, you know, when he, I just actually just rewatched it um, just before uh, just that scene. It's like a minute and a half, which is crazy too. Like if you read so many reviews on Letterboxd and all these kinds of different things, it's like people always mention that and it's like a minute and a half. It's nothing. It's like a throwaway scene maybe time wise, but then it's like one of the most painful, personable, relevant scenes of the movie where, yeah, he's probably disappointed. He's probably still messed up in some ways. You know, part of me, like when he grabs the bottle, part of me was like, I really hope he throws it. Like, I hope he like, cause part of me was like, Oh shit, he, he, he's clean. Like he looks good. Like he's, He's doing what he loves and he's doing it clean. You know, he's got a cigarette, but you know, he, he looks, and you can kind of tell when he, when he picks up the ball, he's kind of just like, I kind of like, damn, like that, like kind of what could have been almost, but then he just like, you know, he sets it down. And he's like, but here I am. Like I'm, I'm still doing it. So yeah, I think it's it like a lot of complexities that goes on and, and he's not even, he doesn't, he says like two words. I was, I was going to say there is that moment where he really pauses with the drink. Yeah. And yeah, every party you wants him to put it down, throw it, dump it out, whatever, anything to get away from it. And he goes back to it and you're just like, I mean, I get it. <laughs> and Maggie, he's just singing Maggie. And I love Maggie May. I love that song. And it's like the perfect, perfect song for that moment. Um, and yeah, I remember I was 10 years old and I remember seeing that. Like I remember watching it for the first time and just being like, holy fuck. Like I'd never heard rod stewart before or if i did i wasn't aware of it and i was just i've always been enamored by that scene and it makes me really it doesn't make me happy i should say it doesn't make me happy because Heath ledger's gone but it does make me happy that people are discovering things that maybe if he had lived that i don't know if this movie or this performance really stands out among the things that Heath ledger is doing in 2021 because i guarantee he has oscars and he's doing the most interesting things I could possibly, I've thought about it a lot of the projects he would do and that's a different podcast, but um, it makes me happy that people have discovered this performance of his because it's so nuanced, so awesome. And that scene I think is one of his best acted scenes ever. So beside that scene, what, what are some of our, what are some of our favorites? Give me one max. I love in the beginning, like, you don't know much yet. And it's just like basically a skating montage. Like, it's just like, they're just going around town. Like, again, they're not really introducing anything. It's just like kids messing around. And like, part of me is like, 
again, jealous of that where it's like, like, that's such a cool vibe, like SoCal, like just such a cool environment. And it's just like fun. Like I just kind of remember chuckling like a lot about how easygoing and jovial everything was. Um, I also, of course, when they get to the beach and, the, and they have to wait for the other guys to be done surfing. Um, and then they just get like, they have to clean up the beach and they have to wait until they're done and they have to clean, get the scraps that are left over and stuff. So um, I think that that seems very fun. And, and again, kind of like you have to work your way up this hierarchy. You have to kind of earn, earn your credit uh, in this world. And um, I think that that sets it off really, really, again, like we kind of talked about, like it sets that innocence off, right? Where like the worst part of your day for them at that time was like, you, you, you biffed it on your board on the way to the beach and then you get to the beach and you have to wait a little bit to surf more. Like that's, that's the worst part of their day. And that's like pretty chill in, in, in the grand scheme of things. Amazing. Uh, I think my favorite scene is when they're scouting out empty pools and they're just going from pool to pool, finding unique ways to, to hop in somebody's empty pool I think that's a lot of fun. Something we did growing up, we'd go pool hopping. So we'd just jump from fence to fence into people's pools. <laughs> and uh, it reminded me of that. And it's kind of this just like get in, get out, run as fast as you can kind of thing. So that's I, sick. yeah, it was, it was probably one of the crazier things we did. But that was probably my favorite scene. Felt like nostalgic in a way. But the <laughs> the scene I wanted to talk about was when they're in Tony's room it's him Jay his sister and they're like yeah. in some up some other girl and they're all about to get down and you're like dude are you about to are you about to have sex in the same room as your sister is that what's happening right here that's one of the scenes I really want to talk about because I was like why why would that ever be the option I mean, Stacy. Stacy's like, "Hey, Tony's here," which ends up losing Stacy. Tony's right. sister. he's like, "I'm not gonna make out with you in front of it." And then Jay comes down, and he's just wild man, and and he's like, "I'm gonna have sex with you in front of your brother," and <laughs> and he, your brother actually probably encourages. It. <laughs> That's what it felt like. I feel like Tony just Tony's character is so like he's like a dot and he's just like whatever I think yeah Stacey cares too much about what other people think and Tony like wouldn't have cared because Tony's just like whatever you're doing your thing yeah yeah he's like cool dude go for yeah. it that's it's fine. just like that's so cow like whatever bro like she's she's her own person it's like weird. yeah like, it's weirdly a really progressive thing to be like whatever she can do what she wants but also <laughs> like I don't want to be in this we have we all have yeah. sisters actually every single one of us has sisters um just know you know no. yeah i'm i'm yeah no not in the same do your do your own thing but in a different room hey my sister's, <laughs> outside. My, sister's pregnant. my sister's pregnant but i don't want to be around when the pregnancy's starting right yeah give me nine months later i'll hold the niece yeah right exactly but yeah i wanted to bring that up because i just i couldn't stop laughing i was like oh my god when is this gonna like when when is somebody gonna say something yeah yeah that's that's a weird thing. <laughs> but it's just like one of those things where it's like, it makes sense in the world they're in. Right. Like right. For us, It's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And is exactly. that a difference of culture? Like, is that a difference just of like Midwest versus, I think it's like seven. I think, in the, I, think I, th I think 70, I think seventies is totally. I think they're the in the seventies 
they're in socal like they're literally like everything goes like you're just yeah. coming from, like the 60s hippie movement like i think just culturally that's the 70s venice to us is the moon um my favorite scenes transition are the first skate competition and the last skate competition weirdly i love the first skate competition when jay gets on the board and iron man by ozzy osbourne comes on and they're showing everybody being weenies and then jay comes on and it's just like sex on a skateboard like he's literally just like just doing the craziest shit no one's seen the judges like i don't know what to call that um and they're listening to like really like punk music of the time um and everyone at the, all the judges like what the fuck and then you kind of get stacy earning his stripes and tony alva getting in the fight um i just love really everything about the skip when he gets there and he's like here's our fees now give us our trophies you know yeah. and um i love everything about that and then the beauty of the last scene where it's kind of the culmination of, hey, we've fallen apart. And now you're kind of like Jay's being taken advantage of because he's not a smart businessman. And Jeremy Renner's his sponsor, which is hilarious. And Jeremy Renner's doing a really bad job for him and not getting his skateboard right. And they're like, hey, man, just like try to get your points and win. And he's like, fuck it. And he just gives some kid a skateboard and he bounces. And then you have Tony Alva getting in the fight. He can't control himself. Stacy Peralta kind of realizing, like, what am I doing here? Like, Am I just like a huge sellout? Um, and I just really love that as the culmin. There's just this huge contrast of like, we're so new to this world. We're the underground against everything to now we're it, but we're not enjoying it like we did when we were coming up. And I think that's, that's always the journey up is way better than like once you're there, I've always thought. Yeah, it's every character kind of having that self-realization of, how they've changed and how they feel about that change. So, and that's why the last scene is really nice because, because Stacy had the chance to not go and not go see Sid and he changed his mind and Tony was going through stuff and he made sure to be there. And, uh, you know, Jay just stayed true to who he was. So I, I, I think those scenes complement each other nicely. Also, like the brought it back to where it all started, baby. Just in an empty pool. I'd like to give an honorable mention to Jay Adams shaving his head in front of the mirror, and yeah. just like "Old Man" by Neely. I fucking love "Old Man" by Neely Young. It's like one of my favorite songs ever. Um, and he's just listening to "Old Man," and he's like, you watch him shave his entire head, and you're just like, it's almost like the death of the innocence of Jay in that moment where like this long haired blonde skater is now this like, and then, you know, immediately Stacy bumps into him and Jay's tatted up and Jay's clearly under the influence of substances. And it's kind of like, he's not what he used to be. And you can never recapture that innocence because it's been corrupted. So I like that. The, um, the other thing I wanted to bring up was, uh, can we name some appearances that were made in the movie that we maybe weren't expecting? Hey, look who of... jumped! Look who jumped the gun! I was gonna, I was gonna have the nice. most random, most random appearance award. I was gonna give it to Johnny Knoxville's. Wow. Really, I think that's the least. I think I have a 
a couple surprising, but I guess it's different for me because this is my first time watching. But Johnny Knoxville being in this movie makes absolutely no sense. Like he literally is not an actor. Like it doesn't make any sense that he's in this movie in the role he capacity is, in my opinion. Okay, who else? Who else do we have? I have all of mine in mind, but I want to see if everybody Max. If, yeah, if, yeah. If we everybody. This might be. I don't know if this is a sleeper pick, but Joel McHale. Yeah, dang it, that was mine. Okay, <laughs> like McHale's funny. It's so random. Again, like yeah. how the fuck I'm, do they I'm, get I'm these glad, guys? I'm glad you caught it though. That that was like because you don't even you don't even like see his whole face because he's yeah interviewing he's an to face competition, right? Yeah, yeah. Or he's a he's a reporter. He's a reporter. Yeah, he's he's interviewing guys, and you kind of just see the side of his face, but you can totally tell it's him. Uh, yeah, that was a good one. Okay, we'll we'll just keep going and see who runs out first, I guess. But, Jeremy, I already said Jeremy Renner being in it. It's like the funniest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sofia Vergara is uh, another she's one. She's one guy's abusive. She's the abusive girlfriend. She's yeah, she's trying family. to she's trying to flirt with Jay. Um, yeah, that was that was another one on my list. And then uh, America Ferreira was another one that I wasn't expecting, but no comment on that one. Who the hell's America Ferreira? I don't know who that is. She's in. She's in Ugly Betty. She's in. Oh fuck! I, she's in Sister of the Traveling Pants. That's her name. Yeah, Sister yeah. of the Traveling yeah. Pants. Yeah, that's what you I just gotta say Sister of the Traveling Pants, and you know I love that movie. Cool. Yeah, right yeah. In on that. <laughs> Every time fun pivot that is not related this at all anytime anybody asks me where i want to travel i always say greece and they're like why and i say the sisterhood of the traveling pants and i'm literally not kidding alexis Podell goes to greece in that movie and i always told my sister's grandpa I was like how sweet would it be to be in a place like that and uh, that's always been my dream vacation because of alexis Podell. Uh, good answer pants. but let's get it back on the road so any other random performances Tony Hawk, that, right? Like, oh, yeah, Tony yeah. Hawk, yeah. I mean, well, I mean Tony Hawk makes it. I mean, Stacey Peralta, Jay Adams is like the real guys are all in it. Yeah. yeah. Like Jay Adams is the one that he's getting. Jay Adams gives Jay Adams the beer in the yeah. house. That's the real Jay Adams. When he's like, oh, shit. I don't know if I knew that. And there's the guy with yeah. the, he's bald and all tatted up on his head. That's yeah. the real Jay Adams. Yeah. That's sick. Okay. Yeah. yeah but, um, and then Tony Alva's like in it. Um, and they actually used themselves as, in the making of, uh, which I watched, they did the doubles for themselves. Like Tony Alva and Stacey Peralta and Jay Adams just like skated as themselves. Oh. And if you look from the neck down, it would be them in some of the scenes. Cool. I did notice that the casting was insane. If you look up some of their, what they looked like in the 70s, these guys are spot on. The guys they got, I don't know how they got them, but they are almost identical it's it's really really impressive how they ended up with those three also shout out to those guys for learning how to like would you none of them knew how to skate or surf yeah like dove all into it and they had to deal with like stacy peralta tony alva and jay adams like some of the best skaters of all time teaching them how to skate on like root of like stuff that's been it's so hard to skate on that stuff because technology got way better oh yeah and they're like you have to skate on these little boards and the stuff we did and they're like, this is how you do it. So, I mean, shout out to all those guys. I mean, um, the only one, you know, that ever did anything is Emil Hirsch is the one that, like, actually, like, had a career after this movie, really. Um, and which which one was he? He's Jay Adams. He's Jay. Yeah, he's, the, in a lot of, he's in a lot of stuff. He's in The Girl had, Door. He's the main guy. I had read that they 
five days a week they were doing three hours of surfing and then five five to six hours of skateboarding that's right that's what uh, they're in the making of five days a week and yeah that's honestly impressive i mean i i don't know how long they did it for but well because that's really them in the pool going over the light skating at the right. wall doing it that's not doubles they keep them on yeah. the face the entire time and it was really important to them of like hey you guys need to be able to skate the dog bowl like if you can't do that then like what's the point so it's really cool that like that takes skill just to be able to yeah. go up the wall of a pool and go over the light like that yeah no doubt and there was a really cool scene in the making of thing where they all walk saw the dog bowl recreated and like Tony Alva, Stacy Peralta, and Jams, they'll just start bawling their eyes out. And it's yeah, like that's, in this pool, Tony Alva's like in the pools. The first I was the first person to ever do like a frontside air. Like he's like I did some of the first things anybody had ever done in like skating history. Like in yeah. this pool, and they were really romantic about it. Yeah, that's really cool. That's sick. Yeah, I think I think the whole the whole like skating part of it, they make it so authentic, and then that's what's so. I want to get to the soundtrack and kind of, I guess, the cruel tunes aspect of it, the music, which always really matters. Um, I just think that they just nailed all the songs make total sense with what skater kids in the 1970s would be listening to. Everything made so much sense of the period that I just, I think they knocked it out of the park. And we always talk about kind of soundtracks and um, check out the recent cruel tunes top blog about, soundtracks and movies but um i just think that it's so important to do that and do it effectively especially in a period piece and they just nailed it yeah that's the one thing i'll say i was really impressed with the soundtrack this is of all the movies we've probably watched this is the one i knew the least amount of songs in but you know it's really good when when it fits and you're kind of nodding along and i would I don't want to. I don't want to knock it, but it, it is kind of easier to do with having the skate scenes in there. You can like easily. It just makes the music they pick makes it way cooler. <laughs> um, so I think that's. I think that's a positive thing. Honestly, is to be able to add a song to a skating montage, and yeah, they did it. They did a great job, especially with the period. Kind of the some of those '60s songs into those '70s songs, um, and everything was on point. Because, I mean, they could have gone, you could have thrown a lot of different songs in there and it probably would not have worked as well. Like, especially Iron Man. I think Iron Man was so cool uh, to have in that initial scene too. Max, did you have like a song or like a use of music in the movie that like stood out to you more than others? Yeah, I mean, I I would default obviously to you guys on the music side of things just because I I think I find myself kind of like what Mason was saying, getting caught up in almost like surface level music where it's like, yeah, skating montage or, you know, really like high intensity moment, this song comes on. I don't even really even click as far as like, hey, this song is making this scene really good. I think I'm just like in the moment, like, holy shit, like, yeah, like this is really cool. Um, so I don't know if there's any song in particular that comes out, uh, or, or, or like, I guess comes to mind. Um, obviously like the Iron Man, the use of Iron Man was really cool. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I maybe just like want to speak to how important music is to a film and how it can really make or break a movie. And I think obviously like the, the movie itself would have done fine, but it, there are those few and far between movies, obviously that you guys 
have written about and talked about, but um, there are those few and far between movies that really do take intentional time with the soundtrack that make it just that much better and just like seamlessly intertwine this movie plot with what they've chosen for a soundtrack. And I think that that's just something that's not particularly emphasized in film anymore. Um, and, and, and the best ones still find ways to do that. Yeah. I just think there's like suffragette city. Like if I was picking a song, if I was like, I'm skateboarding in the 1970s, it's like to me, suffragette city makes so much sense. And I think sometimes it's easy to, you try to be like, well, I need to be picking something that no one's ever heard. And you get in your own head about like music choices. Like me and Mason have kicked the tires on like a billion different like script ideas. And we've talked about music and movies and we've thought really hard about like what we're listening to in high school. And sometimes it's like, well, we need to think of something that people would be like, wouldn't expect us to be listening in 2014. But it's like, sometimes better be like, Hey, what were we all fucking listening to in 2014? Like make it obvious. And I think, it really helps like when they're listening to hair of the dog by Nazareth and it's like, now you're messing with a, a son of a bitch. And they're like singing in the car and they're, they're like swearing and it's badass to them that songs have like is swearing. Um, I don't know. Like all the music choices to me, there wasn't one where I felt it was out of place. And like I said, old man by Neil Young. And it's like, wish you were here is playing and it's an acoustic slowed down version that I don't know. I think, Stacy and those guys being around probably helped a lot to be like, Hey, like, this is the shit we like. And this is like what we listen to. Yeah. I will say kind of going back to the point I had earlier, they get to have a lot of fun with it, with the, the skate scenes, getting chased by the police, sneaking out of their parents' house, whatever it is, they get to have fun with this rebellious music. The, the music matches the attitude of, of the whole crew and it extends it extends onto the kids they hang out with just the whole, like the whole team. And then the whole, it felt like every kid was doing that. And that's probably, you know, obviously not the case, but it felt that way, which is I think what they were going for. Max, what's like, what's your takeaway? Like what's your takeaway of this movie? What would you want someone like, what's your lasting, what's your best opinion? What's, what's it for you, man? Like give me your best, best little run here. All right. My review on Letterboxd was short and I think it's pretty sweet. Oh, read your Letterboxd review. That's good. So that, I think that that's how I would end it. So I started with that quote that I mentioned in the beginning where it just, where one of them says, we're going to be on vacation for the next 20, we're, sorry, we're going to be on summer vacation for the next 20 years. Um, and then I wrote, it was so carefree until it wasn't. It's dirty. It's grimy. It's real. It's fun, but not intentionally. They did what they had to do for better or worse, but it all came back to where they started their roots. So that was uh, my biggest takeaway is it just, yeah, kind of like what we've talked about, like the, the loss of innocence, it being dirty, not pretty along the way. I mentioned kind of in the beginning, just the way that the, the movie is filmed, the contrast, the colors, again, just, just kind of raw unadulterated kind of um, really conveying that fun, but also real um, life of, of, of a teenager in SoCal. 
I thought your letterbox review was really beautiful and thoughtful. And then I just saw some ones that just kicked the shit out of yours while I'm reading through it. This yeah. one person said, really cool Vans ad. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that one. I I wanted to read a few too. Yeah, you go for it. That, but I love yours, Max, but my God, I mean, that guy, they, or she, sorry, suing general. A, she got my point. I'm going to go back to back here. Four stars. This is the most 2005 movie I've ever seen. And then five stars from Buster. All-time great movie. Unbeatable soundtrack. Tony Hawk is an astronaut. 10 out of 10. <laughs> That's so funny. And then I had I had a few more. <laughs> uh, five stars. My favorite movie. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And then the one above, there's one a few above that. He was a skater boy. She said, see you later, boy. And then last one was four stars from Jake. This would totally be an A24 movie if it came out today. That's awesome. Awesome. Mason, what's your, what do you want to leave the people with? What's your thoughts? First time popping your cherry for this movie first time i liked it a lot i would definitely want to see the documentary because i'm so invested you're way more invested in the the characters there's no there's no true like plot or story or thing we're trying to get to at the end so you're way more invested in the characters and the people which i love movies like that so i think i'd just want to know more about them and more stories i could probably listen to podcast interviews for days those guys probably have crazy stories but for anybody watching it for the first time i think the first question i'd ask is which character do you relate to the most who who's your favorite character and why i think those are i think everybody's feeling that they're feeling some kind of empathy towards each character and that's the thing i'd be most curious to ask somebody immediately after watching. So, uh, cause yeah, they, like we talked about, I love talking about kind of their strengths and weaknesses for each of them. Cause they were highlighted very clearly. I think. I recommend a lot of movies to a lot of people and I know that it usually falls on deaf ears. So I think us doing this podcast probably isn't going to cause that many people to watch it. But if we get one or two people to watch the movie that would never have watched it, including you know, Mason and Max, I've each got you to watch it. So um, I just think it's such a personal movie to me. I, I love it. I loved it the moment I saw it. And it had such an impact on kind of my view of the world in a weird way. And um, just obviously rip Heath Ledger, but um, there's just like so many moments, like we didn't even talk about the burning of the pier where Skip and Jay sit there mm-hmm. and it's kind of this philosophical death of everything in the movie, watching the pier burned down but there's just things like that where we could go on forever about like these little micro scenes that mean infinite things in terms of the world building um but i would just recommend if anybody cares what we think i just think this movie is beautiful and i think words like beautiful and genuine get tossed around way too much but i'm going to toss them around because i do think uh there's something really beautiful about this movie and the message of just like i said it's innocence and then it's innocence corrupted. And what does that mean to us as a society? So um, I love this movie. Thank you guys for doing it. Thank you guys for watching it. Um, I know Mason 
He's got big things popping off with Cruel Tunes, which I'll let him talk about for himself. But they're writing blogs. He got his fundraising goal. Kickstarter's done. Now it's on to the next phase of really launching this. And Mason's only got big things to do. So you can talk about that, Mace. Yeah, much appreciated. Yeah, hit the hit the funding goal. So shout out to everybody that helped out on that. We've got the final artwork going out this week and hoping to get it manufactured here soon. And yeah, I want everybody to be able to play, have fun and enjoy it. So yeah, looking forward to that. And as Chris mentioned, blog, podcast, we're hoping to be more structured with that. But the blog's been a lot of fun, talk about a lot of different music related topics. So be sure to check those out. Hopefully video content to go with that. But yeah, a lot of fun stuff coming. Max, what do you got going on? Well, you know, today I watched a federal seminar on uh, student eligibility for the FAFSA and Title IV funding. Uh, and I heard then, about that. I heard that was. I heard. That I heard that was, was a hell of a rager. It yeah. was trending on Twitter. If you didn't notice, right. yeah, really, uh, really, I did, I did see that. Really hot topics. No, follow me on Letterboxd. Uh, Mad Maxwell Letterboxd. Uh, the best I, reviews in the game. <laughs> but uh yeah i'm ex- i'm stoked i was stoked to see that mason got to his goal and i'm excited to to get it here in sioux falls represent for some cruel tune stuff yeah hell yeah mason's up to big things and uh max all jokes aside i always make fun of max for being a movie guy because you know i think there's this insecure part of me that's jealous of max is better at consuming content than i am now I, my best years are behind me and uh, he does have a lot of great reviews on there. I've been trying to get in the letterbox. I'm really bad. Max always tells me to get back into it. Um, you know, I've never consumed stuff for the people. I've always consumed it for myself. So it's hard for me to try to basically Peralta about it. But I do appreciate Max. Max has definitely become one of the better like people that I can talk to about movies and like actually has good opinions. So I highly recommend checking out. I'm I'm very thankful for Letterbox because I love organizing and seeing having things categorized it is incredible so i'm glad i'm i'm on and have been introduced and i've gone back years and years and just found movies that i've watched and i'm honestly surprised how many i've seen because i don't consider myself like i've seen a lot of movies and i was kind of surprised by the number like going back on the years so it's been really cool and helpful for my like ADHD brain to be able to <laughs> see what's what's there. Yeah, get get Letterbox. Letterbox doesn't sponsor us, but maybe they will someday. Maybe we can get Letterbox Cruel Tune promo crossover. Yeah, if know. you talk about them enough. Yeah, I we talk about Letterbox it. enough. It's like Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Eventually. <laughs> um, okay, I'm gonna end it on that. But check out Max's Letterbox. Keep posting on Cruel Tunes, the blogs, the game the social media stuff coming, big things. Um, Yeah, thank you guys again.